Now, but yeah, how come you like talk to me from a garbage can or like a yeah, but nobody's dumpster. I'm keeping a low profile. Now, Shelby Carlisle will now witness the creature, and this will start a big act two. He's in a fucking garbage can again. Yeah. Well, look at him. I'm acting. Huh? Yeah, he shakes his head, clears, rubs his eyes. I'm an actor. I'm going to act. Give him some credit. They, this was shot, wasn't shot back to back, you know. It was just shot this in one day. <laughs> Listen, I give this guy his props and that he, look at how he's tiptoeing now. He's doing his job. You want a comedic, funny, th you know, whoa! Whoa! You these Jack Ritter pratfalls, the whole. Jack Ritter. He is Jack Tripper. Jack Tripper. Jack, oh, I, did I combine? It was it John? He said Jack Ripper. Yeah, John Ritter and Jack Tripper. Tripper. Oh, yes, I didn't realize it was that so close. Yeah, Jack Ripper. Rip, okay, never mind. I'm not even trying anymore. So he does his job as a comedic actor, right? Is it funny? Right. Kind of. Like right now, he's going to end up, you know, headfirst down in that sack of uh, laundry. You know, he's going to do his pratfalls and jokes. Oh, no, I, hope, he I hope he doesn't. I hope he doesn't hurt the puppeteer inside. <laughs> Look, are you in there? Sesame Street needs you. It's a laundry basket full of absolutely clean laundry. <laughs> and how big is that? Like, how many fucking students are in there that they need, like, a giant fucking fit of oh, well, towels. Maybe it was the distribution of clean towels that Oh, well, that's disgusting. In a big fucking garbage can? <laughs> okay, good hustle, good hustle, good hustle. Now he's like, you guys have to start stop sucking out there, and they're like, but dad, it's a sh it's we're winning, you know, whatever to whatever. And she goes, that you call that winning? Just because you're winning, you think you're winning? <laughs> now, Kronos, can you answer a question for me, Kronos? Is this still the same day, or has time elapsed? It's the same day, same suit, right? Uh, they will actually they will wear the same stuff the whole movie, even though it's absolutely not the same day. Is it? The it's the same, same fucking suit. It can't be because they had baseball practice, and he went home and he spent he slept the night. No, it's not the same day, but they will wear the same stuff. Yeah, because he has the same colored shirt, same tie, same like kind of big boy jacket. And I think you pointed it out in an early family film that we did, and even in Meeksville Ghost, that that's the way uh, you do it for kids' movies. Yeah, it's a shorthand. You know, it's like sketch comedy. You dress up as a doctor and you have a doctor set and then the stars and you go, oh, they're in a doctor's office. Right. You know, it's it's just kind of kabuki clothing. But he can reshape the mustache. So he's saying that kid, Chris, is a problem. No, it wasn't Chris. It's somebody else. That kid is a problem. It's Oh, yeah, it's the love interest uh, rival. And he goes, uh, I want you to hit him with the ball. Take him out of the game. And he's like, Jesus Christ, Dad, you're evil. And he goes, son, in this world, you know, you are going to be evil, too. He goes, all right, Dad. All right. He's going to so, hit the ball right at the pitcher and take him out. Whoa. California. Look at this umpire. I was in a running quarter movie. It was called Bunchy Strikes Back. Check out my sizzle reel. Well, the thing is that I I, I, I didn't look him up. And Why I would you? Oh, she Whoa. killed it. I'm the kidnards. 
He's down. Oh, All that for nothing. Yeah. Uh, I'll never regret this moment. Act. Sigh. <laughs> Act. And roll them. You, nah, use your shoulders. Back. Use your shoulders to express disappointment. Uh. So, of course, Shelby is like, let's not make a federal case out of this. Like, who cares a kid got hurt? Man, this is, you know, I, the director does okay. Look at this. They got everyone on the same screen. And they got the blue sky. I think he's an okay director. Absolutely does okay. This guy is a competent, competent guy. He can't be held responsible for the script or the... He can be held responsible for Roger Corman, though. He sought... This director sought out Roger Corman, who was an idol. He, like, left right. a successful business in 1980 and just ended up on that guy's doorstep. And, you know, he's a 20-year veteran now of these Hollywood, what, exploitation films? 150 films he made. No kidding. A lot of them, Roger Corman, like so many of them. Uh, Big Mom 2 uh, with Angie Dickinson. Uh, Not of this earth with Tracy Lords. Yeah, I remember that movie. I worked in a video store in the 80s. I totally remember that box. Right. Uh, the Return of the Swamp Thing with Heather Locklear. That was 89. Wow. That would have been in your video shop. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, that's like, I think that's on Amazon. What a strange title. For a sequel, Return of the Swamp Thing is so retro and also so like foreign because you need to say Swamp Thing up front, right? It's right. sequel, to, it's movie sequel two, and then Return of like you never really see like I guess uh, you, oh, Return of the Jedi, I guess. No, Return of is a. It's barely used now. Okay, it's, so it's, Munchie Magic is making him be a great pitcher. And it's really just cheating, cheating, cheating. Yeah, I know. It's also weird. No one's like... It, um, hard Bounty with Kelly LeBrock. So he's he does That's a good. stupid film with some sexy, sexy woman. Give me Leslie Ann Downs. I got you, Kelly Brock. Okay, I wrote a script. Let's do it. Body Chemistry 4 with Morgan Fairchild. Ooh, he's got all the ladies. Yeah. That's a lot of body chemistry to make four movies worth. Yeah. Body chemistry was stupid fucking. Oh, I did your I did your exploding meth lab joke. Oh, you did? How'd it go? A big laugh. Uh, remind the audience of the joke. Your joke. Oh uh, well, um, it was like like a a man and a woman maybe have chemistry together. And you said, yeah, we have the chemistry of an exploding meth lab. <laughs> oh, that's great. So I, I did this bit about, like, a girlfriend who's into horoscopes and how it isn't realistic. And I did a thing. And, you know, but baby, we have chemistry, like, at the way end. She's picking up with me because the horoscope told her, you know. And that was, and then I, your, your punch was the end of the bit because it's funny. It was oh, that's cool. Part. <laughs> I love it. Uh-oh. So, all right, so this kid's going to, like, aim for the Narge or something, or, like, he's conflicted. Should I... Well, he's got munchy magic, so our hero, Chris, will get a uh, home run. Time out! Time out. Done. This is a T. It says for time out. Yeah. <laughs> Man, this kid, a regular Bud Abbott. Walk him, walk him. So, look, he goes to throw him a ball. Strike one! Well, I'm trying to walk, walk. You idiot. 
All this Coke product, Coca-Cola, they're drinking Monkey Coke always before. says, say the magic word, which means you're supposed to say a magic word, but then he says the magic word. I feel ripped off by him. Yeah, a lot of, I don't know. I would remake this movie. What? Yeah. You know, you remember Superman in 80. I'm sure yes. that was, you know, sort of came from that. Oh, maybe it's like, Corbin, do you have any footage of someone circling the Earth? Uh, let me check. Yep. Yep, I do. Yep. It right. is. Yay! I'm the big winner. I've never felt success before. Thank you, Munchie. But he didn't he, earn success. He, didn't earn he just it. He didn't got earn it. given. Yeah. But still, he feels the. It's so like, funny, this wish fulfillment movies. I'm very disappointed, son. Well, screw you, Dad. Now, because it's a movie, here comes the ball, and it's going to bonk him on the head, and it doesn't kill him. Oh! No, that's, that's not Munchie's way. But he's he a He's a good pratfaller. He is like a Jack Tripper. He does his part. He really does his part. Yay! I'm a winner thanks to cheating. Yeah, and and coach the they the coach is wearing the same outfit always, but he also has in his hand the soda. <laughs> Potter's like, yeah, I'm gonna keep. Oh, uh, this is another day, so you shouldn't be holding. Yeah, I think I am gonna hold it. <laughs> hi, I'm Sally, the continuity person. Oh, hi, Sally. Yeah, hi, Sally. soda. You see, logically, it wouldn't make sense to do. Well, I think I'm going to hold it. Uh, yeah, all right, thanks. Yeah, I'm going to hold it. 15 years now doing this, I think I know that I should hold it. Ooh, ooh, the continuity girl's here. What's the matter? Well, director, uh, Biner won't, won't let go of the soda. Uh, yeah, all right. Well, thanks. Thanks for doing your job. <laughs> yeah. We'll let this one slide. We'll put an asterisk <laughs> in the credit. Okay, so as you know, Leslie Ann Down lost her job, right? Whoa. She doesn't tell the boy because she wants to protect him. Now, the boy came home from his baseball game, and she's like, how was your game, Chris? The thing is, <laughs> she doesn't know her kid's baseball game. Oh, yeah, right. So wait a minute. Did someone give him a ride home, or did he just walk home? I have no idea. I have no idea. Now, she's a single mom. In the, yes, in the baseball practice, uh, she picked him up in the station wagon. So that would imply it requires a ride home. Yeah, that's true. Oh, man, do you remember those phones with the rotary built into the headset? Yes, that's right. It was a transition phone for the old yeah. Uh-huh. You still, like, if you had to call an emergency, you had to <laughs> And then you're like, one, one, quick. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta make up time for that night. Okay, I'm stealing that. All right. <laughs> Carl, Jesus Christ. One, one. Can you do that joke if you're first? That, that would make me. If you go first, can you do that joke? Mike, you have supplied me with so many open mic jokes. I I tell you, I mean, you saw, remember that one time I did that thing, all the writing mics, oh. legal, but I, yeah. I could do four of those videos. God, there's a video of the audience going, Mike Spiegelman. <laughs> <laughs> the weirdest thing I've seen. 
Now, you know, I told a horrible joke in that segment, so it can never see the light of day again. And uh, I can't really edit it out because it's in the middle, you know, but that I'll you're exactly you. right. By the end of the set, people were like, my credit, right? Writing yeah, credit. right. You kept tagging every joke with, that joke was written by Mike Spiegelman. Yeah. And at the end of the set, people were like, Mike Spiegelman, they were your tag. I don't know, Carl, find your voice. Do what you, do what's good for you. Like, if you want to do my voice. No, yeah, right. I said I have a staff of writers, and his name is Mike Spiegelman. <laughs> <laughs> if you saw that video, it worked. I mean, you were blinded by the bad joke. But other than that bad joke, they they liked your jokes. Okay, this is going on a prom? Yes, yeah, it's just the dance. So, as you know, our love interest rival got hurt by Carlisle's son with the baseball. So, therefore, he cannot take our love interest to the dance. So, it's like, his loss is our gain! And now, uh, look, he turns yeah. Right. Now, it's not the prom, but they're treating it like the prom to impress Jessica. Weird. You know, you are absolutely right. That The rival should have been the son of the uh, adult rival. Doesn't that make perfect sense for the plot? perfect sense. Yeah. And also... Whoa! He's we human. Don't, we don't get Carlisle versus the mom anymore. He came on to her, she refused, he fired her, and that little subplot's over. It was just setting up our situation. This I have never seen Munchie as a human before, and I've seen three Munchies movies so far. Well, you're right that the guy talking, who's the chauffeur, has Howard Hess, Howard Ness, Hessman's voice. It is Munchie. Oh, but it's not. It's not Hessman the actor, but it's Hessman the voice. No. What do you mean? Is the chauffeur Hessman? Like, is he? Uh, is he played by? No, he's not. That would have been better, right? Actually, yeah. you mention it. That would have been perfect. Listen, Howard Hessman probably was in a studio for two days and maybe showed up for pickup. Right, probably he just, yeah. So now it's like, oh, I'm impressed. Now she's impressed until he goes to the, the dance and starts telling everyone about his great baseball story. And he becomes a drag. And so he's going to learn the life lesson that, you know, don't be a snotty asshole. <laughs> yeah. Well, none of it's earned, right? He didn't win shit. It was, he had Munchie do all the bullshit. That's right. And he acts like, you know... I did it. God, it's so creepy. Kind of weird town on those kids. It's just, uh, honey, we're going to go to the dance. Okay, do you need a chaperone? Nah, I've, I've got my driver. But they're at an age in which, I mean, they're not like 16-year-olds who would be kissing and stuff. They're just like 12-year-olds. Look, look at it. That's pretty. Yeah. yeah. He, he did the filter. Yeah, you know, he loves a filter. Oh, car phone, Carl. That's called a car phone. Oh, I've heard of that. Police have that. Yeah, oh yeah, rich people have it. <laughs> they have they have a car fax because you need the fax in your uh, car. Mm -hmm. That's right. If there's a business transaction coming, to, fax it to me then. What's his name? Gecko. Gecko had his brain. Yeah, go get, oh, <laughs> my my favorite is uh, the player. He yeah. has a car fax and a message is coming. He's like, I know you killed him. Right? He's like, what? What's the next? This is yeah. the same band that was with Munchie in the beginning. So I guess they're local. Wait, well, no, wait a minute. So a school blew up and the, they're just not even talking about like what happened? 
No, they're at another school, but they're the same band. Why do you, uh, good girls like bad boys? <laughs> I always think of Valley Girl when they yeah. have, Johnny, are you queer, boy? <laughs> at the prom. Now, this band was like, I don't know, the internet was like, and the band this, and the band that, and this, the lead singer of the band had a long career in like, doing music in TV and movies and stuff. I don't know. They love them. They think, the movie thinks that they're a big deal. Carl, I, I hate to interrupt, but for punch, would you like green or red? <laughs> I would like the red punch, please. That has the, yeah. What's in the green? I wonder what a green tastes like. Well, it it looks like Jello. No, it doesn't. It's too liquidy. Um, yeah. Oh, it's that algae. That remember that was popular for a while. It was like a pyramid scheme. Oh, yeah. Superfood. Super Maybe it's food. like mint, like kid creme de mint. <laughs> yeah, that would be better. That would be good <laughs> with a little chocolate. Yeah, right, right, right. So he's boring with his boring stories. You're boring me. Well, it's braggy. He's doing lots of bragging. He goes, that's the seventh time you told that story. People like when I tell how I won. Would you like to dance? <laughs> and he's being a real snob. Now, Munchie's going to give him the power to read minds. And uh -huh. everyone he encounters is going to be like, You're a loser. You're a fucking, yeah, dick. Fuck off. <laughs> oh, man, I would not want that ability. I'll walk down the street out here. Loser. There goes that loser. But he learns a life lesson from it. I should just be myself. Yeah, that's a pretty good person to be, you know. Munchie with None of it's earned. None of it's earned. Mm -mm. I'm surprised like no one has died in this movie. Hey, anything you want. You want to play Death Race 2000? <laughs> I want you to kill the, my teacher. Whoa, buddy. <laughs> now, you remember what a piece of shit House 4 was? How it was like as a script, they did every like ghost, yeah, yeah, scary yeah. movie shtick that none of them were related. Well, the same guy who wrote that wrote this. Really? What yeah. a small world. Yeah. In Hollywood, I guess. Well, this, uh, this movie makes more sense. I mean, House 4 was all over the place. This movie makes more sense. That's right. It's true. Now, how do you think they'd make Munchie? Is this stop? Is this like California Raisin animation, or like is this like puppetry? I, I guess it's got to be puppetry. You see how the head shakes and the hand squeezes? It's puppetry. And yeah, it's but look terrible. at his lips. What about him? I feel like it's animation, like stop motion. The, I think the internet would have told me that this is a puppet. I mean, the internet refers to it as a puppet. Yeah. Uh, I kind of did. If you look, it's like claymation would have a. Okay, it's the sense of a puppet in that you see the hand just twists for no fucking reason. It's not gesturing what he says or anything. Right, right. Claymation, they would have been able to think it out and storyboard it. Here's just some dick puppet guy going. Rah, 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 rah. Oh, I think there's like at least two dick puppet guys. Yes, one's probably squeezing a suction ball so that the hands close um he's the joke here is um that the twinkie hasn't expired okay so we first get to see he goes hey the lo lo rival love interest will be back next game and he goes i don't know we did it pretty well without him 
And then you hear the coach think, God, what a jerk. What a thing to say. It's going to happen over and over. He has a Coke problem. Yeah, he's got the same bottle of Coke. Now, he is wearing a different outfit, but the scene calls for that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. I appreciate that. So this is the third, like, so there's a Coke, a bottle Coke dispensary in the locker room, which, as you know, every junior high had. Right. Uh, Well, I had it. It was costly. Did your school have, like, a vending machine? Actually, no. And when my kids went to school, I went in there and saw, like, Coke vending machines. I was like, what is this fucking bullshit? You can buy M&M's candy here? This is... Come on. It's fucking bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Money, 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 money. Just don't make the money. Just be a school. Just don't make extra money. There was a Simpsons episode where they introduced a vending machine and Bart got so fat he had a heart attack. (laughs) (laughs) But it was like the school put it in there because the school makes money off of it. Why can't we have a show in which Bart's the dad? Don't you think it's time? I think it's time. You're absolutely right. When is my live-action Simpsons movie coming? I don't know that we need that, did, right? No, we need Flintstones, the best live action. You know what I mean? Like, it was, yeah. The answer is yes. The answer is yes, it was the best live Yeah, well, so that's the thing. The Simpsons, uh, the, the Flintstones were a primetime animated show in the 60s. <laughs> and... And, you know, it was syndicated. Yeah. So by the time the 90s roll around, you had a new generation. And they said, let's make a live. And, you know, had a whole generation that grew up on it. And they said, let's go this level. You know, so I do think there'll be like a live action Simpsons, a live action Family Guy movie. It's just. But aren't everything around 30 years? It would have happened by now, right? The Simpsons themselves had one movie in, in 07, right? I enjoyed that film. Uh, yeah, yeah there was a big bubble. They were in a... Yeah, yeah, it had Albert Brooks as, a, like, a, a Schwarzenegger was president. Right, right. It was good. Right. It was, like, three episodes back-to-back, but I enjoyed it. Well, you know, it's theatrically. I saw it with my wife. She was pregnant uh, at the time. There's a scene where Bart's naked, and they keep covering up his wang, and there's a scene where they explicitly show it. Mm-hmm. But if you watch it on, like, uh, I guess Disney Channel, Oh. Plus, they, they still censor that. So the theatrical release showed Bart's penis. Gotcha. Whoa. Slong and dong. Yeah, yeah. From the boys. Boys on the boy. <laughs> the joke was that it was covered up and that he goes, he skateboards past his uh, uh, hedge that has uh, a little line, like, so you could clearly see, like. Uh huh. So it covers up his whole body, but his penis. Like it was that kind I of. I think humor. I don't remember that because it was a cartoon, right? I would remember that if it was a live action. Well, the live action movie should need. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna get arrested for that. All right. Well, uh, let's look at this. Speaking of pervs, I'm gonna photograph you from my scrapbook. <laughs> so now she's gonna drop the bomb. Chris, we're in trouble. We could lose the house. I lost my job. The the mortgage won't extend the loan. Oh, boy. We're up Shit's Creek, my boy. <laughs> I blame Clinton. This new Clinton fellow has ruined it for us conservative Republicans in California. There's the dad's face, and you'll see him in the end, so... The movie wants what? us to remember the face, and we never do remember him. Is she a widow? 
Yes. Oh, man, I didn't cover that? No. That's one of the reasons why Munchie, you know, it's a family in trouble. So wish fulfillment is bring back dead dad? No, no. Uh, we find out, because you know, this. if you watch this, this if you listen to this show, it's Spoiler City. It's yeah. got to be, because it's more fun to spoil it. I'm sorry. You don't have to spoil it. You don't imagine your seat to see what happens at the end of Munchie. It's fine. <laughs> well, we, we we were very hesitant to do this movie. You were so you were so burnt out. We were, oh, we, yeah. I was burnt, and we we teased this movie, and you're like, no, enough so, time has passed. Yeah, enough time has passed, so you can re reveal the ending. It's fine. So, in the end, we find out that the guy who requested Munchie go help a family on Earth, it's the dad. So, I guess it is heaven because he's in front of Kronos and everyone else. But the thing is, when I first saw this film, I was like, who the fuck is that guy? And it was such a pretty boy, I was like, maybe he was the star grown up. And I was like, well, that doesn't make sense. Why would I even think that? Yeah, yeah why would you think that? Right. So I had to see it again and again, as you know. Oh, I saw the movie four times. Congratulations. This is my fifth viewing of this piece of shit. And I can't believe it. That's a record. Now you, I can see in the frame, it's him. The director did not do a good job establishing what he looks like. Yeah, it's so weird that he would have a, a framed photo of his dad's his dead dad's headshot. That's right, it's weird. Now here's another thing that's really great. I mean, we've seen all three munch, munchy films, and yes. you can't make me see a fourth. <laughs> says you. At the end credits, it says, The Munch will return in Munchy Hangs 10. But it never <gasps> got made. Surfing Munchy movie? Yeah. Oh, a California surfing Munchy movie? I love it. Yes, it would have been great. Go help a young... What am I saying? What am I saying? In concept, it's great, but you would have made me watch it. They would have had a puppet on a surfboard. Yep. In yep. the ocean. And he would have been helping a surf kid. Yeah, a white surf kid, boy. Right, maybe... Santa Monica, maybe did you see that? Santa Monica Heritage Museum. Yeah, well, you know, Santa Monica is famous for its candles. Uh-huh. I thought it was, I mean, I thought it was the pier. It was, it's both, I guess. Yeah. Oh, right, the pier, notorious bad movie location. Which we don't see in this film. It's a good movie. There's a bird there? Oh, never mind. Well, he does do that. They do, do he literally says never more. They, they do do that. Corman did the raven, you know. His famous oh, so he's making a nod to himself, even. Yeah, it's the second time, right? We had Death Race, we have the Poe right. movies. So, now, um, now Carlisle is going to learn the backstory of who Munchie is, just like we did with uh, Laugh-In Guy, the neighbor, last oh time. Oh my god, that's right, we had Laugh-In Guy. Artie... Johnson. Artie Johnson, right. So this is, he goes, this guy's name is Steve Franken, and he's a good actor, he goes... I'm Professor Graves, M.T. Graves. Oh, M.T. Graves. Yeah, and then he goes, D do you get it? <laughs> <laughs> God, I should have played that. I should have oh, played well, that. Can you react to Carl? I'll be right back. Check okay. chat. Check the chat. Okay, over.
So Stephen, I'm not telling the audience that the chat says I got to be. So Stephen Franken, who's playing Professor Graves here, he was in Westworld, which is a favorite movie of mine. I don't mean the series of today, which was fine, but Westworld in 1973 really was a mind blower for people. Of the concept of a robot that's like a human. He was also an angel in Demons uh, in 2009, which I think is the the um, uh, the sequel to that. Um, gosh, what is that book called uh, with Tom Hanks? Um, and he was in another film called The Party in '68, which has got some fame to it. But um, but really, those are the extents of his Im impressive credits. Let's listen to him. There's Munchie going across the Delaware. Power and wealth. That's what Carlisle's interested in. $1,000. That's a little steep, don't you think? He will pay $1,000. Carlisle has no problem. Oh, yeah, that's right. He goes, I know your face. You came here when you were a kid looking for a poison dagger for your third grade teacher. Okay, so we it's just a funny little scene in which he learns about who Munchie is and especially that he helped men of wealth and power. So now Carlisle's of course going to steal Munchie, just like last movie. Do you think uh, Empty Graves has a son named Shallow? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I want you to meet my daughter. I spit on your grave. <laughs> it's good to meet you. I spit on you. Yeah. Pronounced, I spit on you. <laughs> How'd you get that name? You don't want to know. How'd you get the name I spit in your grave? Well, when I was conceived, they were... Okay, so now what's happening is the a miracle. It's raining money. It's raining dollar bills. This reminds like, me of Ghoulie's Three House. It does. This reminds me of us at the strip club when we make it rain. Oh, yeah. Yeah. With Dollar, dollar bills. Monopoly money. Yeah, it's like flittering dollar bills. Where's the neighbor? The neighbor doesn't show up? The neighbor will say, this money fell in my lawn and I'm giving it. He goes, well, how much is that, Mr. Poindexter? He goes, $38. <laughs> really? They, they did make a hay out of this. God. Yay, thanks. We didn't earn this. I'm doing some stupid punchline. That isn't funny. They literally did not earn this money. No, they didn't. Earned it. And, but she's so dumb that she, like, is public about it. And the news people come and uh, interview her. Look at this. Isn't that stupid? Yeah, no one's grabbing the money. That's right. Now, this is Tony Naples, and she was the teacher in Munchie, Mrs. Baylock, who walks in on the principal kissing the yes. secretary. Right. Yeah. She was in, she, she didn't do well. She was in Death Stalker 2. Mm -hmm. Then she, in 87, she was in Hard to Die in 90, which I don't know. But Is that Steven Seagal? Hard to Die was? Well, then that's a credit. Yeah. 
It sounds like it is three words. Variety House Massacre too. Yeah. And then I don't know why that. Then that was nineteen ninety. She disappeared. So this is like a mature role for her. It's like you're not going to get killed. You don't have to take your top off. That's right. Interesting. Interesting yeah. how that news report was on my television set, and I watched it. <laughs> Look, he's looking right at the audience. I'm going to get that munchie, or my name isn't... He's talking to the kids. He literally yeah. talked to the kids. That's a great way to go from a scene. Like, we're live outside the studio, cut to some guy turning off the report. Yeah, that's so TV. I mean, it's so movie, too. I mean, it's just serves the plot. But the thing is... Um, the fact that he turned to the audience and he goes, I'm going to get that munchie, kids. He said kids to the camera. Really? Yeah. So he, he's, so he, and there's no one else in the room, right? He was just he there. He broke the fourth wall, looked right at his glasses off. Okay, what basically fuck, we're getting an apology now. Uh, look, you're right. Get, can you get this free money off my lawn? <laughs> I'm keeping He goes, $38. I told you. I look at the lighting. It's the middle of the day, and they still well, they always the make her soft. Yeah. Oh, uh, maybe they're sponsored by Coca Cola and Vaseline. <laughs> oh, this is good. I can buy a lawnmower. Thirty-eight dollars, and it's all mine. <laughs> all my, it's on my property. You lose, you snooze. Uh oh! Oh no! Oh no! Look at that. He's got a it's suit a on. Oh, yeah. no. Oh, look at his pipe. His pipe. Oh, oh no. boy. Oh, no. Oh, he's got a badge. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, he's he was a bad cop. Department. He's from the Treasury Department. T-Man. You know, he got fired, and the, the T-Man said, give me your badge and pipe. <laughs> That's right. Leave your badge and pipe. You're on suspension. You're on suspension. Put it on my desk. Here. He goes to Santa Monica Pier and throws his pipe into the ocean. Yeah. Fuck this job. I quit. This is too much stress. Okay, <laughs> so basically what we're learning is there is a counterfeit, uh, a group of counterfeiters. Uh, th these serial numbers, they haven't been printed by the Mint. Okay? So yeah, he's going to have to confiscate all the money. It's funny money. Downtown for questioning. Jesus Christ, the backlight in the, in the middle of the day of suburbia, it's, it's off-putting. I mean, she's great. I like Leslie Down. Mm-hmm. Was she on, like, talk shows or game shows or something? Uh, no, the last thing she was in was in 2000. She played Margaret Thatcher in, in this movie, a, a Reagan movie. Let's see, where is it? Down returned to acting playing British Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher in the biographical drama, Ronald. No, Reagan, starring Dennis Quaid. So that's 20. Uh, so she's still out there. Uh, she was on that soap opera for years. That was her yeah, yeah. thing. She that's, was in, the hooker nurse in Wally, meet Wally Sparks. I guess I told you all this stuff. Yeah, yeah, Wally Sparks. Wally Sparks. Yeah. Now, uh, who should show up just as they leave? But Munchie's up in the thing going, come on in, big boy, I'm waiting for you. And we're going to get... Uh, Home Alone <laughs> shit right now. Right, so Home Alone was 90, right? 92? So this was after Home Alone. If it was, then they directly ripped off 
Well, that's like every kid's movie has some of DNA in it. They all but, become web bandits. But it's very light, mild. Look, he's got a crowbar and he pretends right. to break into the already open door. <laughs> Lupin, he is it. That's for sure. <laughs> I'll put the crowbar here. Squeak, squeak, squeak. Right. Look how he's sleeping, right? He's such a comedic actor. While the uh, coyote is more subtle. Chris, is this your crowbar? What's that, Mom? What's that, Mom? I wish for a crowbar, and Munchie made it happen. <laughs> Goldfish flakes. <laughs> Whoa! I guess I was wrong about that. Guess what? Oh. This is the fourth time or fifth time I've seen this movie, and I didn't ever catch that before. Oh, this... Carl, actually, are you hungry? Would you like... Would you care for some nuts? Yes, please. Yeah, well, let me give you the... No! Mike! Mike! You better apologize to me, Mike. Uh, I'm so, listen, I'm so sorry, buddy. Let's shake on it. Okay. Listen, I am going to drink my some Michael! Okay, all right. Calm down. Carl, calm down. Here, smell the flower on my lapel. Oh, I will calm oh down. My. <laughs> oh, my face is dripping. Okay, now look at this crap. This is... He's going to put firecrackers on Carlisle's butt. What? Yeah. I take good money for that. You this is you see he's lighting the fuse and now oh, my butt will hurt. This is it's a lot cheaper than bleaching your asshole, that's for sure. <laughs> damn, damn. Guinness. Oh the kid has Guinness under his bed? Why is it I, double bed again? I've got a stunt gig for you. What is it doing? Oh, of course the marbles. This is all yeah. alone right here. Right. And he goes down the stairs and doesn't even nope. get hurt. Oh yeah! The, oh, this this the skate the skate was like the piece of resistance. Look at a bowling ball. Bowling ball, a bouncing <laughs> bowling ball. If that was real, he would be dead. His skull would crack. Oh, everything! Yeah, oh, absolutely. Maybe Munchie's keeping him alive just to torment him. Now Kronos is like you're fucking around again. I mean, you're dropping bowling balls on people's heads. You're fucking around again. He had a bowling ball. He had marbles to go, but that skate was lying there on its own. Look at this acting. Right, yeah, the he's great. He was just lying there. He happened to. Yeah. Once he didn't put that there. Fire in the butt. Again. Now this will bonk his head. You know. It's gonna break. Yeah. There we go. I'm a comedic actor, dammit! <laughs> Munchie, we're only doing one take of this. My God. Look at how he does a good job. His glasses are all crooked. Uh, I got Randa. whipped cream in my face. <laughs> right in the eye. Damn it, I gotta go to work. No, wait, let me put this up, because this is very... She's getting electrocuted. Dumbass. So he goes... Munchie goes, oh no, kryptonite potato... What? See the potatoes above the... Yeah. Yeah. Kryptonite potatoes. Now he's knocked out. Carl, what just happened? What did he press and make those potatoes fall on his head? 
I don't know how it sprung loose, but kryptonite. I think he threw something. I'm not sure. No, he quickly clicked the wall switch. And the potatoes fell. Yeah, look at the potatoes. Is this your crowbar? Looks like someone used a crowbar to open an unlocked door. <laughs> now, Carlisle will come out, and they will begin to chase him. And when they do, they leave the house wide open. Yeah. It's a bank's problem at this point. Right. Right. It is. You're right. So she's like, recently I lost my job. And she goes, well, don't worry, ma'am. I actually happen to also be the love interest. Really? I was say. Yep. That's what they're yeah. doing. Now, it'll only be implied. They'll never, like, you know... Because the film's racing to an end now. We're we're really? in our Act Three chase. I kind of enjoyed this movie. I don't want it to end. Oh wow! Okay, I'm going to remind you. You said that. Yeah. Oof. Oh, my way. I've got a bag. <laughs> now there's no like Carlisle. Yeah, that's my boss. There's none of that. Yeah. So they're like, he's like, they've got Munchie and. The mom's like, who are you fucking talking about? And she's like, who cares? Let's go. Now, was that a right car for Carlisle? Right? That was a pretty crappy car. Uh, yeah. Well, that's his getaway car, you know. He hijacked, he carjacked the car. And then, uh, he, he broke into a car, hotwired it, I should say. I don't think he did. He, I think that was supposed to be his car. He showed up in it. Look at the Death Race 2000 shot yeah. that we saw earlier. I know, it's weird. Uh, how'd you get out of that plastic bag? Now, the internet claims that this is edited from Little Miss Millions' car chase end scene, but I went to Little Miss Millions, fast-forwarded, and I do not find this either. So Weird. Now, you can kind of tell it's a stuntman with just some prop in the back that's flopping around. <laughs> they, they say, okay, puppeteer, just leave the puppet here. <laughs> and it did. It just bounces and flops. Every time they go to the sun and take a look at the back seat, you'll see it's boing, bouncing. You see that puppy head? We just saw this scene. They're driving curving well, like this. it is the same death race footage, but no, this is its own... I guess but, I, mean, they, I think they I think they repeated the sequence. Yeah, I think so. Now we find out. First of all, you can call him by his first name. That's the first love interest barrier yeah. broken. And then he reveals to the kid that he knew Munchie when he was a kid. Interesting. What yeah. movie? Also, have you noticed that she's ripping onto the seatbelt like she's never in any movie? Well, just when we get back to the mom, okay. Leslie and down is like whole, ripping onto her seatbelts. Well, that right, there, she, yeah. So she, she let yeah, go. Yeah, like, Wouldn't that make the click go away? You know, the if she oh, loose when it. Well, it's bad form. As someone who never drives and sits in the passenger seat, you know, if you're ripping onto your seatbelt, it means you're nervous about the person driving. Ah, that's I see. It's a movie trick. It's a mood conveyor. Okay, so the cops are now part of the chase because they drove by. And just to be a stereotypical movie, the guy flung a donut into the backseat. <laughs> Is he Irish? 
Oh, well, kids get that joke. That's Death Race 2000, right? See how yeah, yeah. It didn't have the line in the middle of the road. Oh, so once you can escape out all this, <laughs> what we're finding out is that Munchie was controlling the car. He's not. Look, I've lost the steering. I'm a comedic actor. No, it's fruit stand. It's It's going to land on its feet. It's going to land on its feet. Boom, boom. Well, that's a big landing. So he's fine. He's fine. They hit, the wheels hit the ground. He can roll. He, the car works too. <laughs> what a horrible crash that was, right, Mike? You just noted it yourself. I mean, it bounced like it was on a trampoline. Look, I'm what a doctor! Where did they get that fruit stand? I, honestly, Carl, I've never seen a movie where there's a fruit stand off the freeway. Well, as you know, I'm from L.A., and believe me, that fruit stand has always been there. Oh, on the five? way too big. Way too big. It's like Chuck Norris explosion. Like, have you seen a car explosion in your life? I have. You have when? Was this in Walker State College? No, this was in, like, Lincoln Park, New Jersey. Uh, what was it like? It was, there was, a, it was terrible. There was a pop and a, you know, but it was right under where the gas tank was. Horrible smoke, horrible smoke. But I'm saying when the explosion happened, the pop itself, you didn't even see flame. I mean, we, it was under... The gas tank. Oh, right. It was like a, a orangey. It, it wasn't even a flash. It was, I don't know. Okay, so now the cops are like, you harassed my wife and fired her. Really? So he's getting his just desserts. And the love interest is like, don't worry. If your friend was anything like mine, I'm sure he got out in time. So he did get hit on the head with a bowling ball. He did fall on the ground. But a half hour later, he's just covered with cream. That's the only, like, uh, collateral damage. That's right. And the steering wheel stuck to his hand. <laughs> that cream was on his fucking face for, like, the whole car chase. Con Thank you, continuity person. Yeah, right. You're doing a great job in this movie. How about a bump on the head, huh? Oh, look at that. You know, if you open up that photo, on the other side is his credits. <laughs> That's right. He's such a pretty boy, and you'll see at the end. So now he's like, oh, munchy, munchy, munch. Oh, it's the Munchie Show. Oh, that's another 80s thing, making a 50s sitcom. Right. Well, he's like, it's the Munchie Show, starring me, Munchie, and tonight's special guest is, you guessed it, me, Munchie, ha, ha, ha. Oh, God, so this is like a Carson parody? I guess, but it's basically him. He's come back to say goodbye, and he's like, Yes, shot on Geraldo. What do you think? Geraldo. Where did you bet? Visiting our old friend Carlisle in jail. They finally had him moved to the cycle ward. <laughs> he, does, he does not sound like Howard Hessen. He doesn't even... Look, Dom DeLuise was great. Howard Hessen yeah. does not have the right voice. It's not interesting enough. Oh, he has a great voice. I, I, I disagree. Howard Hesman has one of those unique voices. You can totally it tell his Yes, you can totally. That's Dr. Johnny Fever. It is. Yeah. But, okay, okay. I I guess it's a matter of opinion. I just think Dom DeLuise crushed it. He had the crushed right it. voice and accent and everything. Oh, yeah, and just the right spirit to this silly movie. You know, like, right. he just, yeah. When, but when Munchie's laughing as Dom DeLuise, I was believing it. When it's Johnny, Dr. Johnny Fever, it's like a fake laugh. I don't know. I don't know. So, yeah. 
Bye, Munchie. Bye, Munchie. He goes, you can't leave now. The money was counterfeit. And he goes, no, but I got your mom a new job and maybe a new stepfather. <laughs> and then he goes back to heaven. It's the same fucking celebrities? I think yeah. that they're on purpose. Well, it was the same day they shot both scenes. It had to be, right? Do you think, like, Kronos, like, hey, Kronos, can we hang out and watch you tell losers to fuck off? Oh, there's the dad. There's the dad. That dimple. He's handsome. Right, and when you first see this film, you're like, who the fuck is that guy? Because they didn't emphasize it enough in the picture. <laughs> they could have had a flashback, right? God, what a puppeteer cheats throughout this entire movie. I just happened to sit on this giant chair. <laughs> Why? So they're like, okay, we're not sending you to the most boring place in the uh, universe, but we're not convinced yet, so you got to help one more person. Bill Clinton. Ah, holy shit. God, look how young he is and fat. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't have those cool cheeks. You ever see the president now with his cool yeah. cheeks? Yeah. Well, because as a rich person, the doctor said, look, you got to lose weight or you're going to die. And so he, like, got a staff of people and said, fucking, just hold me down. If I'm going for the bridge, <laughs> just hold me down. And Andrew Stevens. Great life. I want to give it up to Andrew Stevens Whoa. for Jack Trippering this movie. Ace Mask. All right, Carl. Yeah. Gosh, there's Elvis. I know there's a final scene, so I will ask you this quickly. What did you think of this movie? I thought this movie was terrible. I enjoyed it for your film, right? It, it's, yeah. the end of, it's the trilogy. Yes, uh, we did it. Yeah. Did you see the listing? I have to say that one of the band members was Fred Olin Ray, who is a prolifically bad movie director. He does ah. all those like Skinamax movies. He, he has a, you know, he still cranks them out. He's probably best for uh, like Evil Tunes, which is like uh, Roger Rabbit, who uh, I don't know. These these cartoons show up and like have sex with women. Oh, well, that can happen. Yeah, so he's in the band. So you've seen this movie five times, and you really liked it. Uh, either you know, either four or five, and this was my fifth or sixth. I forget, but uh, it was uh, I don't know. It was badly done, and it's a terrible. I mean, they tried, they tried, and it was for kids. And it's Corman, and so the thing is, you know what you're getting with Corman. You're getting a I don't fucking care, but I kind of do care. I want you to like me as a B movie person, so I'm gonna throw in some fun stuff for you. But pretty much, I'm just trying to get through it. I liked I liked the Death Rate two thousand scene. I thought that was a nice touch for yeah. just you know we're obviously watching Corman movies. Yeah, like, that's the only reason why we're watching this, and uh, it's, so it's a nice little nod. Yeah, but it's a piece of shit movie. Whew. Yeah, my opinion. Swing Batter lyrics by the director. You make me happy. Oh. That was a great song performed by Mister Moderation. Uh, it's that then. Bob Sheridan one. He's the guy who's like all over movies uh doing the music yeah bob sheraton well they probably have him in a, in a room come on madam sola reader and advisor he's he's fortune teller to my pal rj there's a spiritual advisor on this film credit i've never seen that before well it's probably like the director's wife he's like i'm not paying for this anymore we'll build it into the budget because i'm going to her yeah, right. I'm she gets her. me. She gets me. Uh, last time I went to a fortune teller, Carl, 
I sat down there, and she took out a deck of cards, and she started making columns. And I'm like, are you playing <laughs> solitaire? She goes, yeah, I'm the receptionist. The Munch will return. Ah! Munchie hangs ten. And then Munchie strikes back. Classic. I don't know if that joke is good enough to steal, though. Uh, no, no, I use that joke. Oh, okay. Well, so much! Yeah. We're 3,000 miles apart! Oh, here it comes. Post scene. My baby! Okay, that's funny. Yeah, there you go. There we go. Ladies and gentlemen, that is it. We are done with Munchie movies. Maybe <laughs> never fucking watch yeah. Munchie. Hey, Munchies, yeah. Munchie, Munchie strikes back. We're done. We're Thank done, Carl. God. Thank well, God. But the show keeps going. Uh, we will be back next Sunday. Our show will drop on the uh, podcast feed. By the way, I hope you subscribed. Obviously, at the end of the show, maybe you have. L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T is our podcast name. Carl, we'll be back next week. We completed the Munchies trilogy. Yes. And we talked about this on the show. And there's another quote-unquote trilogy that we talked about. Right. Our, our favorite direct director Pierce with the N. His last name was the N too. I don't even remember. He's not a good director. That's why he's your favorite. Can't even well, remember his name. That makes him I your favorite. I remember his movies. We watched two of them. There's King of the Mountain about uh, racing down Mulholland Drive, and he also made Las Vegas Lady, Las which doesn't take place. Doesn't yeah. take place in Mulholland Drive, but that was with Stella Stevens. And he had a long career making TV movies, but those two were one of his rare theatrically released films. And next week, we're going to watch a third uh, theatrically released film from him from 1979. We're going to be watching the bowling uh, epic. Yeah. Dreamer. <laughs> Great. Not too generic. So uh, there's a trailer. Dreamer, 1979 trailer. And it's called Night of the Trailers. But there's right. two of them. Let's so see. Uh, does it, it looks like it matters. So pick the first one, which is Night of the Trailers, which has 1,000 views, 1K views, and it says two years ago. It's two minutes and 17. Okay, I see it. By the way, this is not the Dreamers or Dreamer. Or right, it's not the Dreamer. There's a lot of movies like that. You have to put in Dreamer 1979 trailer. And you will right. get to Night of the Trailers is our channel. One, okay. Two minutes, 17. Gotcha. All right, ladies and gentlemen, go ahead right. and pause it if you want to watch the trailer with us. We'll put, we'll crank up the sound on this. And now uh, I have a comedian from New Jersey. To, are you doing the sound? Sure. Okay. It's, it's just putting my phone in, on my headset. All right. Okay. And in three, two, one, go. After three days of grueling competition, championship match. First the confident 27-year-old rookie Harold Nuttingham, the new place in professional bowling, will be trying to unsafe. Now he's from Animal House. And now Madison. Right. Well, Animal House was 78, and this is 79. You just knocked over those pins! Oh, that's a strike. <laughs> That's your first strike, buddy. Look, Tim, I arranged all these pins. Crash! Hey! Hey! That's a strike! Hey, Carl, check out my bowling ball. Oh, cool. What you doing? Don't roll. Give it back. Why just... Spare me! 
Now, I've seen this film, and it is bland. It is bland. It is? You're going to love it. Bland movies are the best films to riff, right? Okay. Not comedy. Yeah. Jack Gordon. This, Jack Gordon is in this, and he is the uh, rocky, uh, uh, you know, rock. You didn't even see that coming. He's going to pass you out there. Roll the ball. Stop getting your ball in the gutter there, dreamer. So he's our Burgess Meredith. And these are our insulting... And that's a real bowler right there, and he's famous, and uh, it's a big deal that he's in the movie. Oh, I love 70s bowling. Did you ever watch, like, Bowling for Dollars or Celebrity Bowling? I Yes, I unfortunately have seen full episodes of both those stupid-ass shows. If you could go... If I could go back and do something else with my life, I would. <laughs> no, no. Carl, it's on Tubi. It's on a streaming service. Celebrity Bowling? I watched a couple episodes. What to avoid? What to avoid? So, uh, you can see he freezes time to prevent the other guy from winning. Ah, uh, Tim Matheson. Can't read the... Susan Berkeley. You'll know her from... Oh, what was her show? Well, I'll tell you during the episode, of course. Alright, well, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to get into the awesome world in 1970s professional bowling with yeah. our next film, Dreamer. Not to be confused with Kingpin. Right. Uh, but, or, or, or... The Big Lebowski! Yeah, that's probably the bowling movie. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, these kids today, they're like, Big Lebowski this, and Kingpin that. Back in my day, we had Dreamer. Yeah, that's right. Nobody was like, Dreamer this. Dreamer that. Did you avoid Dreamer? No, I saw it. Oh, I saw it. Alright. Well, alright. So, there's something that's exciting. I hope you guys uh, can, can stand the wait of seven days before we watch Dreamer on next week's show. Unless uh, they're Carl. podcasting. Unless they're podcasting and it's the future and they just go to the next movie. Yeah. Right. Well, we hope we hope it was a good show. Uh, we'll 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 find out next Sunday. Carl, thank you so much. What a pleasure. Thank you for thank watching you. this movie five times. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> All right, uh, audience, thank you guys so much. We, uh, and of course, Mutiny Radio, our heroes. Uh, there might be a live show after hours if you're streaming us right now. So just keep, keep, uh, don't change that dial. And uh, we'll see you next Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman. Watch if you want to, you can slap Spiegelman's behind. L-W-A-F-L-M-N-O-Y-T on Mutiny Radio. Mutiny.
seven underscores. You know, I love going to restaurants downtown, turning your frown around, and like everybody, falls countdown. <laughs> hey, I'm ready to crumble. Now let's watch a full-length movie. Whoopi Goldberg? Yes, Whoopi Goldberg. Right. Gotcha. How many E's are in Burglar? <laughs> Just the one. <laughs> we like okay. um, the channel Full Screen Movies Collection. That's for us. Ooh. Yeah, classy. Okay, so go ahead and find the link. It's called Whoopi Goldberg Burglar Comedy Crime Full Movie 180p. Uh, click the link, hit pause, move the little marker to zero, zero, zero. We have none other than the countdown king himself. But yes, the maestro descending numerals to do our countdown. It's a Sunday afternoon. Let's get ready to Brumbaugh. Please give us the honor, Paul Brumbaugh. 
Hey, guys. Thank you. I appreciate it. And it's Berglar. It's Berglar. I'm <laughs> sure you uh, pronounce it correctly. Here we go. You guys know the drill. Let's do this in true quarantine style. Make sure you've washed your hand before you touch your device. And let's do this yeah. thing. Put the hand over the triangle and do it in three, two, one, go. Oh, I'm excited. Oh, wow. This is a little hard. Salvador Dali. Yeah. Wow. No, wait. Hold on. Warner <laughs> Brothers. It's a heat wave in Burbank. It's a lot. The, the oh, Warner Brothers sure. block is really hot. This is Time Warner, uh, AOL Time Warner. So it's oh, hey, Alcatraz. 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 Look at that frog. in the old Bay Bridge. Old Bay Bridge. The old Gay Bridge. Pre-earthquake. Yeah, this movie is totally 87. Yeah. Two years before the big one. So we'll see a lot of things that are not now in the city. Uh, like various, I don't know, mouse traps and... Well, they're right still now we got they're still there. Yeah, they're all the same. Thirty years later, they look fucking the same. <laughs> all the assholes are still coming out. We're in Marin County. Clearly, fancy. She's your favorite character, right? Did you love Chauncey? You're a big Aaron Marin County fan. <laughs> I love Aaron Marin County. Doc Watts, man. He's shocked. You know, it's a good movie when he starts off with the star's ass. <laughs> scratching her ass. Yeah, she's her ass for a shot. Ooh, the red horses. That's the horse Bobcat. train. Bobcat. One of Bobcat's best movies ever, by the way. He is in a hot shot? Yes, absolutely. Well, I like hot shot, oh, too. Cool. That's an awesome movie. Yeah, it is an awesome movie. Oh, and G.W. Bailey. It wasn't G.W. Bailey in uh, Police Academy movies. Yeah, yeah, but he's also in a current show that Christine watches all the time. Uh, what's the name of the show? The Closer. The Closer. Oh. Detective Lieutenant Louis Provenza. Yeah. Louis Provenza. He's Provenza. Provenza. I don't think I've ever seen that show. Does she have a tattoo of a tear in her eye? Yeah, she is an ex-con in this film, and that lets us know that. But she killed a man, well, right? Isn't all that Don Goodman. Don Goodman. Nothing like an 80s film with 80s Goodman. He was so good in, in Revenge this, of the Nerds. Isn't Anne DeSalvo the one from uh, SCTV? No. No, you'll you'll know her from. Um, she was the prostitute in Arthur. Right. Okay. You'll know her face. Arthur Spiegelman's totally, life. That prostitute. I totally thought she was. The, totally thought she was the lady from uh, SCTV. Andrea Martin, maybe. Andrea Martin County. <laughs> Inside that box is a button. Just act like the maid. for the box. Just sits in her bag. So you like this song, right? Reach for the... Raise up your hand.
mutinyradio.fm in .sf, coming at you from 278 121st Street and Florida Street. We don't have Aqua Q tonight. Before Jackie, the Isley Brothers. my left and myself i'm jeff hunt and uh i i guess i'm like the the audio person and she's the visual we're an audio visual um she does photographs i do the podcast part so um we started about four years ago and our sort of impetus or the inspiration to to do this was that you know we have both been here at this point 20 plus years um but we found ourselves four f- years ago or so complaining, doing that thing that we all do, like drinking ourselves to death and be like, fuck this city and what's happening. But no, it's like, no, but we also love this place and want to turn that into something positive where we celebrate the people who are still here so still, and yeah. still doing good stuff. R.I.P. Hemlock. R.I.P. I mean, do, do you want to just do an hour of R.I.P.? We can do that, right? Like every every small art gallery, every small business in San Francisco right now, all the cool things. It was like, where'd they go? Yeah. All the empty storefronts. It's scary. And then Lauren. everyone moved here because they were like, it's so cool. But then all the artists have to move because they can't afford it. And it's like, oh, what do we do? Yeah. And like La Rondaya became a salad joint. Like, is there, is there anything more yeah. telling than that? Salad lounge. Yeah. Ah! Um, what does that even mean? But no, it's you know, uh, I, I think it's it's like it, it, it it's specific to what to what we do, but it's also I think a, a general way to live life is like, are you going to turn the negative into something positive and try to learn from it? And I, I mean, I have to say, like, like going back even pre-pandemic, <laughs> the joy of this project that we're doing because we're a weekly podcast, we're doing forty-nine episodes a year, so we're just constantly out there meeting and getting the life stories and really getting to know and share the stories of amazing people um, through the, through the pandemic though. I mean, that's, it's like, that's t- taken up a notch because everyone is trapped inside right. and not being social and not, maybe not meeting new people. Although for so. creativity, I think for artists, it's been a boon because how right. many songwriters wrote a whole new album? How right. many people I think Taylor wrote Swift did like five, right? right? So <laughs> yeah. people have been super creative. Artists right. had time to paint. People had time to write. I think a lot of people just watched a lot of Netflix, but right. there have been people creating projects because they had the time to finally do it, right. which is exciting. And no lack of uh, uh, inspiration. Right. Um, <laughs> So the world's falling apart. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah. So that's I guess that's what we do. We have a different theme every season for each forty-nine episodes, and and this season we're about um, I think thirteen, a dozen or so episodes in. Our theme this season is we're still here. <laughs> uh, we did launch in this year, um, so speaking to a lot of things, but the exodus or texodus, as I've I've heard it referred to, is like no. Uh, a lot of people did leave by choice. A lot of people were forced to leave, unfortunately. Um, but we're still here. There's still, still a here. city. And and I think um, for Michelle and myself, it's like there's a, and a lot of folks out there, I believe, um, there's a chance to to make a better city moving forward. Right? Yeah. Because if we're building, once things are broken, we can rebuild. Yeah. So now's the time. Yeah. I just was surprised that the questionably housed stayed like the same. 
Yeah. I, I live in the Tenderloin, so yeah. pretty much nothing changed. Right. And I thought, like, with all of the people moving out, couldn't we have found homes for the 10,000 questionably housed people? And no, that didn't, nothing, that didn't change. And with literally <laughs> the biggest building, or was for a minute, on the West Coast, like, that's just now empty. Right, <laughs> right. Like, and, and I guess it has art on the top. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, um, definitely not, not ignoring, like, all the problems that are still here um, and all the people who are suffering uh, at all. Um, But I think that's perhaps, you know, I'm not pretending I have any of the answers that Michelle has any of the answers. Any one person has the answers, but there's a chance to build a better city, um, a more equitable city, a fair city, a loving, respectful. I mean, look around. Like the one thing I feel like almost everyone who we've had on the show and we ask, you know, like, what is it that drew you to San Francisco if you weren't, if you aren't from here originally? It's like, it's just beautiful. And That's it's true. got, it's got this history of magic. And it's like, yeah. Yeah. Poetry, everything, that whole. So what brought me to San Francisco eventually, I mean, as a child, I used to come in on the weekends and stuff. And it was very exciting. And my dad used to work in the city at the newspaper agency which was the Chronicle Examiner. And, and so he was right there on Fifth Street. Mm-hmm. And I'd come in as a kid and I just thought it was so exciting. Yeah. Uh, but then as an adult, I got into graduate school finally. So I came here 13 years ago to go to San Francisco State and yes. get some master's degrees. Common thread on our show. Right. There's a lot of, it all goes back to SF State. I love it. I went there too. Oh, yeah. well, and I loved, so that was the thing about SF State. I wanted to get a master's in writing, but I didn't want to just, I lived in San Diego at the time and okay. I wanted to go to the best school that I could in California. And it's for writing. It's San Francisco State. So right. I came up here. Got a couple of master's degrees, and I was I was never gonna leave. Right. Yeah, and then I started comedy, and then and I right when I moved here, I started doing radio when it was Pirate Cat here mm-hmm, in this mm-hmm. building now, which is Mutiny. So I've been with this particular building since 2008. So I mean, I love. I never want to leave San Francisco. I love it so much. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, what can I do to stay? I love it here forever. Do you ever have that feeling? You're like, I might be the last one. <laughs> that still loves it? No, I think there's... Well, it's exciting. No, the, the last one left. Oh, right. Well, I always knew I'd thrive in the apocalypse. I kind of feel yeah. like, I am legend. I will stay here. I will I will the, eat pigeons. The world caught up with fun. you. Well, I, I always thought I wanted to call it, you know, the pandemic. I was like, this is oh, great. Yeah. I'm... I've always, I've been kind of waiting for the, the pandemic to happen. Yeah. And it, it was fine. It, yeah. I mean, I was always poor. So everyone else came down to my level. I was like, yeah. <laughs> now we're all in the same, same place. But I grew up on, I was born in Livermore. So I'm a Livermore on um, 1974, quite some time ago. And um, I've never lived outside of California. Okay. And I, I just don't know. I lived, you know, I lived in San Diego for a while. I lived in Davis for a while, but I came back to the Bay Area because I love it here. Even yeah. my family disappeared. I just now, like, oh. this is my, not like disappeared. They just moved, you know, like they left the Bay Area. And yeah. So they went far flung. But I'm never, I'm never leaving. So in terms of your family, you are the last one. I'm the last here. one, yeah. Sure. Um, okay, yeah. Can, can we make this about you now? Sure. <laughs> that's, that's what we I do. I hate talking about myself. I never yeah. do that on stage. But you are yeah. the, the subject matter expert of your life story. That's, Am I that's right? true. Sure, yeah. sure, sure. Yeah. Do you know how your parents ended up around here? Or like... Yeah, um, they both worked in the city, and they had moved here. Uh, my father grew up in Redwood City, and my mother grew up in Illinois, and then okay. she moved to San Francisco to work, and I guess she met my father in a 
in an elevator on Leavenworth Street, I'm like, okay. like in a in an apartment building. Right. We were going. He was going to someone's house, and she was in. The, she had her apartment there, and it was on like Leavenworth and Post or something. And they met in the elevator, I guess. Eleven an elevator. Yeah, eleven an elevator in like nineteen sixty something nine or whatever. Yeah. Elevator. Oh, that's an interesting time to come to San Francisco for work. Right. Am I right? Like, yeah. Not they, a lot of people's reasons to come here then. But they were not hippies in right. by any stretch of the Sounds imagination. Like they, they were. No, they are not at all. They were like. I don't know what I don't know what they were, but they're definitely they're very Republican now. So I don't know yeah. what they were then, but okay. they're not. They definitely are not hippies. Not call me pinko liberals like me. Right. But they met here and then decided to get married and move to the East Bay and can we know, say where a house? Yeah. Um. So I guess first they lived in Pleasanton and then they lived in then they moved to Danville. I grew up in Danville. Okay. Oh my God, soul sucking wasteland of Lexuses. Yes. But I know it was like poor little rich girl. I was. So I was raised in Danville, which is a terribly wealthy place. Mm-hmm. And, but everyone else was so much richer than me that I thought we were poor. Right. So I didn't understand. I just didn't understand <laughs> that everyone was rich. And I was like, oh, I only got a Hyundai for my birthday. <laughs> I didn't get a BMW or a Mustang like everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> I got a new car. What am I complaining about? Was it racially diverse? <laughs> We had, we had four. Okay, so we had four African American students in my class. One of them was Randy Wynn, who went on oh, to play yeah. for the Mariners and then the, and then the Giants. The Giants, and it's on. Uh, he's a commentator. He's for a the commentator Giants now. Days. Yeah, and so he was actually he graduated the same year I did. And I, it's funny story. So I was a cheerleader, and he played basketball all the time. And I had he's a very tall. He was very tall. I had a very big crush on him. And so I'm coming off of El Cerro. I'm in a car with my mother. I'm like 16 years old, and I say to her. I have kind of have a crush on Randy Wynn, and she's like, the first thing out of her mouth is, "Don't you ever marry a black man?" Oh, mom. <laughs> oh, mom. Oh, so what did I do? No. And when I was twenty-five, I got married to a black, black guy. So I was married for. I was with. Um, he was like my college sweetheart. We were we were together for thirteen years, married for seven. Awesome. So I used to be like um, a bourgeois corporateer back in the day. Okay. And. Um, you said cheerleader. Can we I talk was, about, can yes. we talk about uh, more stuff about growing sure, up? Sure, yeah. So I was a cheerleader. Like because, high school level? High school or? cheerleader, yeah. Oh, I was shit. a varsity cheer. And the only reason I did it is it was reverse stalking because I liked, so I liked Todd Benatar and he was incidentally the nephew of Pat Benatar. I was just going to say that name. Yeah, what? Yeah. And so, he's in and the family. She, she lived in Blackhawk and so his family lived there or whatever. So I had a huge crush on Todd Benatar and I was like, oh. I can reverse stalk. If I'm there first, it's not stalking. So if I'm a cheerleader, I'm around them all the time, and this will be great. Like, I'll meet all the boys, and all the boys will like me, and it'll be so fun. And then every Friday after the games, like basketball is Tuesday, Thursday, but um, Fridays were football games. And after the games, I'd be like standing around with the rest of the cheerleaders, and I'd be like, where's the party? Where's the party? And they'd be like, no, there's no party. And then on Monday, everybody would be talking about the party. Oh, man. I'm a cheerleader. I'm supposed to be popular now. What is happening with my life? So it was, but nobody likes to know it all. And nobody's like, invite me to the party. Invite me to the party. So that was was like my, that was my youth. I love that that was your motivation for cheerleading. Yeah, of course. Um, Short skirts. Yeah, yeah. Hey, it's warmer over there than it is in the city. In the the wintertime, we wore our little skirts. We had to wear our little outfits to school on the day of the game. Right. And I still fit in my cheerleading outfits, by the way. I love to wear them. Any excuse to wear them, I'm like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> but tiny little skirts, and it was winter time. It was cold, and we just had to go. And they'd say, "Oh, don't wear nylons. Make sure that your legs are bare. just bare." And oh I was like, "What? 
So it was. Yeah, maybe because Danville. Maybe because bit. Danville. Or America. Danville's a little more like America. Than, well, and this right. was the early '90s, so like, yeah. you know, misogyny didn't exist, and girls walk. I mean, it was just like <laughs> invitation to objectify me. Yeah. Which, uh, but that was what I was kind of looking for. I was like, I want these guys to objectify me, but right. they were just playing basketball. They weren't actually interested in the cheerleaders. Right. So that was that was fun. Are you? Quick side note: Are you going to help us get Randy Wynn on the show? <laughs> He'll remember me from high school. Absolutely. I have no doubt uh, in my mind. That'd be a trip. My fiance would freak out. She, she used to work for the Giants, grew up a Giants fan, so, and she loves Randy Wynn. Yeah, he's uh, he looks pretty much exactly the same. He does. He looks like he's 22 or something. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, yeah. I like him too, yeah, for the record. I, yeah. Um, but yeah, I was. I still so. One of I cheer. I used to love cheerleading, and they want they went to the Arco Arena twice. Our basketball team was really good. They like won the division one. That finals. was in Sacramento, right? Yeah, Arco yeah, okay. Arena. Okay, and so I got to cheer in Arco Arena, which was really exciting. But yeah. then one of my favorite favorite stories is when I got to cheer in Arco Arena as an adult, and it was 1997, and I won tickets to a Smashing Pumpkins concert. I won tickets to the front row at Arco Arena. No and I was so excited. I was freaking out. And I was so excited because I just won them walking around. I'd heard about the quad spies, quad spies. Anyways, so I win the tickets and I'm losing my mind. And I get down to the front and garbage was opening, which I love. I love yes. And there's Smashing Pumpkins. And I love the Smashing That's Pumpkins. That's a great bill. And so I know, right? So I'm down in the front row. And my now ex-husband, he's there, and I'm like, I'm so excited. And we had seen the Cow Palace show, and it was terrible. They had to end early because people were moshing, and it was terrible, and they were upset. So we bought tickets. Anyways, so we're there. And I'm on one side, and he's on the other. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to make this side yell smashing, and you're going to make this side yell pumpkins. He's yes. like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I said, we're doing this. You get over there, and we're doing this. So I get up in front, and I'm like, the smashing pumpkins were in San Francisco, and it sucked. And we're going to bring them out and make them so happy. This side's going to yell smashing. That side's going to yell pumpkins. So Literally. it starts with the people in the front smashing pumpkins, smashing pumpkins. I made a sold-out Arco Arena. I'm not even fucking with you. Yes. The entire Arco Arena is screaming smashing pumpkins, smashing pumpkins, smashing pumpkins come out. Billy Corgan's like, we've never been brought on stage like this. <laughs> You're going to have the best show we've ever had. Hell and yeah. they just go. And I was like, I did that. I did that. You literally led the cheer. I did. In a huge auditorium. In the, yeah, and it sold awesome. out. I was so happy. I was like, this is my cheerleading. This is what my whole life was training it for. Led up to that. That's fucking yeah, awesome. So that's like a childhood story. But that's from the 90s. I'm so old now that even the stories in the 90s are childhood stories. That's okay. So. We're, we're old too. Um, <laughs> okay. And, and the, the last four years aged all of us. Um, but did you? So did you have siblings? Do you I, have siblings? I do. I have an older brother, but he's also um, extremely uh, Republican, Republican and okay. very religious yeah uh and my my upbringing was very very jesus centric okay so i was super 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 religious it kind of checked all the boxes it sounds like the white white rich republican and christian right yeah and like oh it was singing for the choir and the whole thing like being really involved in church yeah you know, I didn't drink or smoke or do anything fun till college, like yeah. all that kind of stuff. I was really clandestine. And no wonder no one wanted to invite me to the parties because there's like, no one wants to bring the stick in the mud. They're like, well, she doesn't have any fun. I'm like, I do. Let's sing songs to God. Come on. <laughs> um, Come no, on, I'm yeah. kidding. I would never, I would never do that at a party. I would probably be scared and hang in the back and be like, everyone's so cool. Yeah. Uh, but no, I grew up with Jesus. And it was weird because when I was little, I've always had a very vivid imagination. So, of course, Christianity was perfect for me. (laughs) But I wanted to have an invisible cat friend when I was like seven or eight, like Mm -hmm. a four foot tall 
fluffy invisible cat friend. Mm-hmm. And my parents were like, no, you cannot have an invisible cat friend. But you can be best friends with a 33-year-old man who will uh, right. sit on your bed every night and you can talk to him about boys. You can hold his hand. And, and now they wonder why I have a beard fetish. But they're like... I loved I loved Jesus so much. You can take long walks on the beach with our friend. Right. Yeah. It gives you piggybacks, the footsteps in the sand. He was carrying me the whole time. I'm like, geez, I want to kiss you on the face. Yeah. Uh, but it sounds like you were into it oh, for so a many. while. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, well, I love feeling feelings and mm-hmm. Bible delving and feeling mm-hmm. one with the universe or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Feeling, is, feeling is good. But mm-hmm. it's mostly because I just... I've always been an outsider and I have a very vivid imagination. Mm. So, you know, hence crushes on boys that will never Never. like me. And (laughs) going to them to be stalked. (laughs) Well, it's the same thing. I kind of had a crush on my mailman for a while, but I was like, he comes to me. So it can't be stalking. (laughs) Like, it's not. He's there for other reasons. Coming to me. Yeah. So, no, I'm a terror. I was was a weird, like, I've always written poetry. I've always written in a, I have, like, my first journal from when I was seven still. And my very first entry is about boys. Like, it's seriously about being at my brother's baseball game and staring at, Jordan is so cute. And I'm going to all my brother's baseball games and getting a suicide soda and sit there. Oh, suicide sodas. Right? And it's, like, my first entry when I was seven. So, so my brother. There's older, incredibly successful wife, kids. Right. Like, really, house looks like a pottery barn. You know, they open it up. There's never any dirt or cat hair, even though they right. have multiple cats. It's like... I don't get it. No, I... I not the life, well, the lifestyle, but also the, the cleanliness that you're talking about. I've experienced that, and I'm like, wow. They pay for a house. They're rich enough to have a house cleaner. Yeah. <laughs> That's all it is. It's just but like five cleaner. minutes in the Bay Area, you have a collection of dust. Come on. That's true. How- and I live downtown, so like Geary Street just throws dirt yes. in the air, like just black dust all over my world. Yes. But that's fine. I would love it. Did your brother also leave the Bay Area like your parents? Yeah, or? he's up in Seattle. Okay. Up that area up in Washington. San Francisco light. Right. Yeah. But no fun. All suburban. Yeah, yeah. All just like singing yeah. songs to God on the guitar with the kids and going to church and okay, wow. hanging out with their rich friends, drinking expensive wine, you know. Yeah. So that's Christ. the Benjamins. Yeah, the Benjamins. Okay. They've got, they've got all the Benjamins. It was just you and your brother yeah, as far as kids. Brother. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what about... Um, friends growing up in, in Danville did you have a crew uh, or did like did you find other you said you call yourself an outcast I'm a did you have other outcast friends or kind of in high school but I've, I've pretty much been a lone wolf because mm-hmm. I went to Christian school from kindergarten through like almost the end of seventh grade and mm-hmm. the very first year in kindergarten it was awful um I had a teacher Mrs. Mowers god I hope she's dead <laughs> and she seriously she was yeah. so mean yeah. and I remember being five four or five because I was young when I got into kindergarten. And we all had to memorize Bible verses. When you memorized a Bible verse, everyone would get an ice cream cone, little tiny ice cream cones. But I memorized my Bible verse, and she gave me graham crackers. And she pulled me aside, and she's like, fat little girls don't ever get anywhere in the world. You oh should really eat the graham crackers. God. Now, the irony is that graham crackers and the ice cream cone probably had the same amount of calories. Right. But what it did is it separated me from the class, and it did make me an outsider because the teacher basically fat shamed me in front of the whole class. Dude. So then I was like different and i'm the one who did the bible verse and performed it and did so great and i didn't get the ice cream what the hell right so that was like the beginning of 
weirdness with Christianity of you have to be a certain way for God to love you. You have to be a certain way for people to love you. That's And it has a lot to do with the way you look, which is weird because it's supposed to be about like your spirit or your soul. And then yeah. at the same time, I was getting this very like external Kate Moss, be skinny. Although that's way before Kate Moss. That's like maybe the Twiggy age. And they're like, be, right. no one listens to you unless you're skinny and pretty. And it wasn't like, oh, you're smart and you can read and no one else can read. And that made me different too, is I could like read when I was three or whatever. And so yeah. when I was in kindergarten, I was reading Laura Ingalls Wilder and everyone else was learning to read. And so they'd put me in a corner with my books and everyone else would do stuff as a group. So I think that my outsiderness kind of started then. And yeah. it was the same kids in the class from kindergarten through like seventh grade. So I was known as like the fat weird dork throughout mm. that whole time. And then teachers just... I mean, from year to year, it was just part of that school. And yeah. it was pretty, it sucked, but... Well, also, fuck any group that says you can't have ice cream. <laughs> In general, like... I know, yeah. I mean, and also, graham crackers are not a consolation prize for ice cream. I love graham crackers. Not a consolation prize for right. ice cream, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, anything else about your Danville growing up oh, that you God. want to talk well, about? I, mean, I can talk about anything. It was awful. So, well, that was the beginning of... When I was in kindergarten and all that stuff, I ended up having an eating disorder for okay. years. Okay. And I remember being like in third grade vacation Bible school, and I remember sitting in the chair and wearing shorts and putting my toes, being on my toes, because I felt like when my legs were down, they spread out and they looked so fat. Okay. And so I was like in third grade, like up on my toes, like trying to make my thighs look skinnier, Shit. which is such a weird thing for a third grader to be thinking no, about. Right. Right? Like... But I'm thinking about all the people who made you feel that way. Right? And the society. Yeah, yeah. So constant. And that was just, but I think Sad. that's just the, but that's the thing now is that it made me tougher, I guess. And I feel badly for snowflakes now that don't get bullied because did it make me a better person? Like right. maybe yeah. or not. I don't know. Yeah, it built defense. It's like, a, you know, right. You, you learn how to react and defend yourself right you, you, uh, hopefully well no we, i learned how to put on a mask and wear frosting because people uh, like okay. cake but they like it better with frosting <laughs> and just a lot of a, a lot of vomiting because yeah. it's a rich girl's disease like i can't afford to be bulimic anymore because i'm on food stamps but right. like i didn't realize at the time that i was it was really good for the economy because i was like four <laughs> times the consumer because i was consuming right. so much food and then just not eating it yeah. and I mean, years, like 13 years I struggled with that. But wow. from early on, like, right. and it was, this is the craziest thing. The thing that sparked it is, I don't remember if you, if you remember Different Strokes. Oh, yeah. So the older sister, Dana Plato, yeah. there was one episode where she had bulimia. Mm -hmm. And she, it was her birthday, and there was a cake, and she ate the whole cake, and then she threw up. And I watched that, and I was like, oh, you can do that? Yeah. That's such a good idea. Okay. And I knew that, I mean, I'm sure that they meant it to be like, do this and i was like what a fucking good idea <laughs> you can eat a whole cake yeah so a lot uh, of my youth was around was all that jesus eating disorders looking right being perfect mm -hmm. trying to be this image of what superficiality sounds mm -hmm. like a lot of that um and also you so you sounds like you grew up in the mostly in the 80s late yeah. 70s 80s yeah. early 90s yeah yeah i think we might be the same age yeah born um, in 74 Oh, I'm 73. Okay, we there are we the go. same age. Hey. Um, okay, let's let's talk about leaving Danville. Okay. What was that like? Was it exciting? Did oh, you have a yeah. specific destinations in mind? Yeah. So I um, 
I applied to all the you know schools in high school. So this is funny. Ninety eight percent of my graduating high school class went to college. Wow, which is kind of insane. That, yeah, that's, I'm not surprised. It was going back to the other things we were talking about. Right. Yeah, everyone did. So I had a lot of choices, and um, I had gotten to a lot of UC schools, and my parents were like, "Go to Berkeley, you'll be so close." And I was like, "I'm getting the fuck out of Dodge. Yes. I want to be as far away from this as possible." They were like, "But you could come home on the weekends, and won't that?" I was like, "No." Yeah. So um, I went to UC San Diego because I fell in love with it. It's just it's so beautiful, and mm-hmm. the weather's perfect, and mm-hmm. I don't know. I just I love the beach. I, I don't know, and mm-hmm. it's a great school, and they had a great mm-hmm. theater program. So I went. I went to UC San Diego, and then I did some acid for the first time, and I saw God, and he like fist bumped me, and he was before fist, he probably high fived me, but he was like, "We're fine." Oh, good. He was like, "You don't don't worry, all that stuff." Like it's like he's like, "You and me, we're cool. Mm-hmm. All that other stuff, just don't worry about it, and just you be yourself. It's cool." And mm. I was like, "Oh, thanks, God. This is great." And so I started, <laughs> yeah. So I I started dropping a lot of acid. Like in college, I did stupid amount of acid okay but i still got really great grades like and one of the things that i it's weird about just who i am the the more the busier i am the better i do okay and so one one it's a it was a quarter school in this one semester i took 36 units which was like nine classes or something and i got a 4.0 okay and i was like i could do anything and And you're tripping the whole time the whole (laughs) time i was just on acid and but I love to read and I love learning and like I love college and yeah. I just I'm I love school because it's the only place where you they tell you what they want and then when you do it they tell you you did well hmm. and then you have feelings of like ah because then I learned, in the real world nobody ever tells you when you do well then right. this, the haters come in the only way you know you're doing well is when everybody's like you suck right. and it's right. like wait a minute I thought that you're supposed to tell me I'm doing well yeah <laughs> and why didn't I follow the rubric <laughs> so I I love I love school and especially going you went straight no no years in between nope. just straight out of high school straight not up. a lot of people I'm finding who now who did that will be like I love school there a lot of people are like oh I wish I took some time off or I only learned loved loved to learn learned to love learning later in life sure but you liked it oh I love it okay yeah Was I it mean, because you were tripping the whole time maybe <laughs> well and I didn't I mean I didn't do that much acid in graduate school but I did smoke a lot of pot so right because it's easier to understand poetry when you're high yeah. like if you read someone's poem and you're sober and you're like I just don't know what they're saying and then you smoke a little doobie it's like oh I totally get it yeah I get it so it's write drunk edit sober read high yes okay yeah, got it exactly <laughs> adding yeah. read high to the end of absolutely that. Yeah. and God, I love I'm, I don't want to sound like this fucking dilettante but I love I love reading yeah I I just it's like one of my favorite things to do that's okay yes I yes that's a good thing um uh so you had mentioned I, I want to talk about your your grad school and going to SF State but I think before we talk about that because you grew up in the Bay Area. Yeah. Do you remember your first time to come to San Francisco? Do you remember your early impressions of the city? This would have been probably in the late 70s, 80s. Yeah. So I remember going in on the BART with my dad. He was taking me to work with him. And I was probably nine. But it, I know we'd been in the city earlier than that. Well, there's two stories. Okay, here's the one that I remember of us driving in. And it's really weird. Um, my grandmother's cousin was a nun here in San Francisco. Okay. And she died, and they made us all go to her wake, and it okay. was weird. 
and I was like six or seven and it was hot in the car. And I remember going, I remember going over what's now like the Geary to go down Fillmore. And then there, we went like up another thing. And mm-hmm. like, so we we're down on like the deep and the by Clement in the Richmond. Yeah. And that there must've been a, there was a nunnery. I mean, I don't remember where, but I remember that. I remember being in the city and it, being like, okay, this is weird because there's no buildings at this part of the city. Right. And then there was a nunnery and there were all these nuns and there was a dead nun and it was gross and they wanted me to kiss her and I was like, I don't oh, even know this lady. Man. And then one nun, she like kneeled down and she's like, are you going to be a good little nun when you grow up? And I was like, no! Oh my God. And now I sort of regret that decision because then I would have had like God take care of me or I could have lived for free or something in the could city the and nun. not have to deal with men. It'd just be so much easier to just love <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. But I remember that as a child. But then also going in to my dad's work, which was downtown with all the big buildings. Mm-hmm. And mostly what I remember are the questionably housed and seeing people sitting on the street with dogs and signs and asking my dad, like, I have changed. Can I? And he'd say, I've seen this guy for 10 years. Mm. And he'd keep walking. And mm-hmm. I'd be like, but they, they're, and he's like, if you're going to do something, buy him dog food. And I was like, mm. okay. But so that's what I remember was ha- feeling feelings for people that were clearly indigent in some way. Right. And my dad being like, just step over them. Don't worry about it. They've mm. been here forever. This is their choice. And yeah. I was like, oh, that, uh, okay. Yeah. That callousness that's pervasive, unfortunately. But, but it's the Vietnam. It was, I mean, it's, and you'd think that that particular age group would have a heart because most right. of the people on the street were from Vietnam and right. Vietnam vets and they'd serve the country right. and everyone wants you to serve the country, but then they don't want to take care of you after. Afterwards, and yeah. then that whole Reagan thing where he dumped out all the mental institutions and just threw them all in the street in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And then our questionably housed population just exploded and nothing. We didn't. And yeah. so my dad came in every day. He drove the van pool and sometimes we'd drive in with him in the van pool and that mm-hmm. was super cool. Mm-hmm. Um, what about fun trips? So not funerals and not your dad's work. Did you do fun stuff in the city? Um, no, that was mostly Oakland. So okay, we can get, talk about Oakland. Yeah, we'd get char siu bao yes. from Chinatown in oh, Oakland. Yeah. God, and yeah, we that had sounds a, really good right now. <laughs> well, and we'd get we'd get like six steamed and six baked. Yeah, and in the in the on the way home, it'd be like, okay, everyone gets three of them. You can save them for later. Or you can eat yours now. And then someone would always eat an extra one, and it was always like, I only got two. But we went to <laughs> went to Fairyland a lot as a child. Yeah. And did the whole key, the little yellow key in the box, and like sitting in front and listening to the stories and the all that stuff, and the little petting zoo. I remember that from being little. Nice. Um, and the Oakland Zoo, we did that way more than the San because my parents would think we we're afraid to bring us into the city because they Mm. especially with my dad working on fifth he thought it was just dirty and gross and it's so funny that like i live so close to there and i love it (laughs) and i'm like sixth street i'm not afraid like whatever but um yeah so i have more memories of oakland more fun more fun fun time but like i mean danville was just we lived on a cul-de-sac and we played kickball until the sun went down you know yeah and um it was a lot of just church trips but that was all out to the that was all to like the delta and stuff and okay and i we did trips to um, the redwoods like in santa cruz a lot when i was a kid Mm -hmm. spent a lot of time in the redwoods so that was Mm -hmm. nature camping or uh summer christian summer camps yeah okay yeah yeah christian summer camp from fourth grade all the way through high school like praying to jesus out in the woods all that kind of fun stuff right yeah a lot of singing songs to god uh as opposed to fist bumping or high fiving, right, yeah, in a, in yeah. A, but also, 
hallucination. Being out in the, I mean, it is, religion is almost a hallucinatory thing. Oh, because sure. you do, you're praying to some hallucination. I mean, in your mind, you have an image. Mm-hmm. And is that not a hallucination mm-hmm. of something that, I don't know, pictorially has been passed down? Yeah. And I think, I think a lot about God. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Or construct of God or whatever. Right. Well, you you met him in a in a trip. I met so. him, yeah. Yes. You know, in, a, you, in a large disco ball, like inside yeah. a disco. I was like, oh, that's so cool. Yay, God. So I guess let's go back to Lee. Um, so you graduated from UC San Diego? Graduated from UC San Diego and in what then? 1996. Okay. And then I moved back up here to Davis and I got a teaching credential. Oh, cool. So I lived with my, my now ex-husband. He went to veterinary school at Davis. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't know what to do after college because I had a theater degree. And I'm like, what am I going to do with this? Right. So I got a teaching credential. And I taught in Woodland for a couple of years. I taught at group homes. I did special ed. Um, and then... Did you like it? Did you like teaching? I lo- you know, I loved special ed. Regular education was really difficult even yeah. back then. Yeah. A lot of entitled kids and parents and it was difficult but special ed's amazing mm-hmm. because th- a lot of times the parents weren't even in the picture so right. you just had a relationship with the kid and you could and i mean back then they called it severely emotionally disturbed but now they took the s off because they found it stigmatizing mm. so it's just emotionally disturbed mm. students but i really enjoyed that because i felt like i was making a difference and i was young and i didn't know what i was doing with my life but i taught for four years and then i i wanted to get into graduate school and i realized I, I can't be a teacher and get into theater graduate school. I need to do theater. So I quit my teaching job and I started a theater company. Up in? Down in San Diego. Down in San so Diego. So we were up in Davis and I did a bunch of a theater with uh, Woodland Opera House and a lot of community theater and worked with them for a while. And then my we got my ex-husband got a job as a veterinarian in San Diego. So we moved down there and that's when I became like a bourgeois housewife. Oh. And we bought a house and we had a Lexus and we had a wow. BMW and we had a... What other car did we have? We also had a Ford Explorer. We had, you know, two dogs and two cats and a spa overlooking the canyon. Two people, three cars. Right. Two people, three cars. Yeah. yeah. And, okay. Uh, two people, four bedrooms, and we thought our yeah. house was small. Right. And I was like, oh, we're just we downsized from our other house in Vista. What would he do? But, um, <laughs> so yeah, we lived, I had this ex-husband thing, and I had a theater company, and then my ex, my husband's my ex-husband's, my ex-mother-in-law, she was like, why don't you get a real job? So I quit my theater job and, because I had been applying to graduate school and I wasn't getting in. I wanted to go to UC San Diego and they finally, Les Waters was the guy who let people in. He's the cousin of Roger Waters. Anyways, and he said, you're never going to get in here. You have to go away. He was like, go to Pennsylvania and you can Mm. come back. Go somewhere else. But he's like, you went here for undergrad. We just, we want, we want our program. We only accept two a year. It's it's not you. And I was like, but everything works out for a reason, so it's fine. But I, so I quit my theater company thing, and I started working for Ethan Allen. And oh, I was, I was a visual merchandiser. Insurance. What do they do? I'm, they sell furniture. Furniture, right? Insurance, yeah, whatever. yeah. And I, so I was a visual merchandiser. So I was basically like a high-paid set designer because I had this big. So and I was like, I'm a set designer. This Somewhat is so creative. Fun. Yeah, super creative. Yeah. But also, cog in a corporate wheel of consumerism. Right. And then I stopped taking birth control because I thought I wanted to get pregnant with my husband. And I realized that birth control is a systematic calling of critical thought from women's brains because I wrote a novel in six weeks. Okay. Like I got off birth control and I wrote a you novel. You gave birth in six to weeks. a novel. Exactly. Fuck and I was yeah. like, what happened? And I started being really creative again. Fiction and I was like, or? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I wrote a, I 
wrote a novel. And um, and then I was like, I think I want to go to graduate school for writing. Yeah. And then I quit my job, left my husband, and got a DUI like in the same month yes. in 2007. And then I won a free ticket to Burning Man to be a chef. And then at <laughs> Burning Man, they were like, they were like, you should move to San Francisco. And I realized there's really no reason for me to be in San Diego. I can't drive anymore. I, I can't substitute teach. I can't get to any of my work, any things. Right. I don't know what to do. So I just moved to San Francisco. And that, that <laughs> so, so now looking for a grad school is a little different because you're looking for a writing program well, versus theater, right? Right, exactly. So into the after I wrote that novel, I was like, ooh, I need to go to graduate school for writing. And I met some girl outside of a bar, and she was like, you should go to San Francisco State. They've got a great program. Look into it. And then I looked at home. I was like, oh, my God, they do. Yeah. So I moved to San Francisco. What year was that? 2007. Okay. And then I applied during that year for 2008, and I got in. I couldn't believe it. Nice. So I got in for fiction, and I did the two-year program in fiction. And then I was like, I'm not done with this. I love writing. I'm going to get my MFA in poetry. So I applied to continue on and get my MFA in poetry. Nice. And I was doing all these open mics and I was doing all these things. And in, I the ta- in the city? Oh, in San Francisco, everywhere. Name drop some places that you Well, the you old were. Amnesia. I yeah. used to do tons of poetry readings at Amnesia. I got nice. the opportunity to work with, so, I mean, so many forum from C- CCSF there. Um, publication is so beautiful. And oh, they yeah. do all of these shows. I've written for and, them. Aren't they amazing? I love Forum. And they 15 put the, years ago they or something. They put the pictures next to the poems. And nice. I love, I love Forum so much. And yeah. they were doing shows. And um, so I got to read with them. And through the Lit, the lit Crawl, Lit Smash, all that Quick stuff. Quake. The Quake, Lit Quake. And I got to read for that a bunch. And work with CCSF and their Poetry Center, blah, 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 blah. Nice. But then in 2011, I was still in poetry school. And I was like... There's not enough stage time here. Mm. And so I realized at the open mic I was doing at Amnesia, there were comedians. Mm. And I I knew some of them from here, from doing radio at Mm. Mutiny Radio. And they were like, you know, five punchlines is three minutes. Why don't you try it? Like, Mm. you do poetry. Like, why not just do this instead? And I was like, okay, okay, I'm going to do it. So five punchlines, and it was three minutes. And I went up at Amnesia, and that was July 17th, 2011. Was it a different... Were you in a different mindset? Like, was how, how different was reciting poetry versus doing comedy? They're, they're exactly the same thing. Okay. Um, they're crafting language to elicit elicit an, a remote an emotional response. response. Yeah. So, poetry is just you know like the poem about my third abortion is boring, but the joke about my third abortion is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. So it's like <laughs> it's, so it depends. And with yeah. poetry, oftentimes even at amnesia, I'd be like, if I take my shirt off, will you listen to my poem? And people will be like. <laughs> Yes. And so I take my shirt off and in my bra, just like recite poetry. Nice. So people thought that was funny. Mm-hmm. So it was a pretty easy transition. And yeah. there's so much more stage time in comedy. Did you make kids laugh or like your family laugh when you were a kid? Or was this, was this like spontaneous comedy had entered your life? Well, I mean, I've always like, I've always been the outsider and I've always had to deal with, when you deal with trauma through humor at least mm-hmm. i did or by being the center of attention mm-hmm. cheerleading was great because people were looking at me and i mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. <laughs> um but i i mean i tried to tell stories as a child but usually i was sort of shamed like sh- children should, should be seen and not heard right or you know, shut up kid have a graham cracker right i yeah. wanted to tell jokes and stories and be on stage i was a i, I was a ballerina for 23 years and okay. i was classically trained in piano for 13 years so i performed in more Traditional, classical right. ways. Right, right, um, right. But give me a microphone and have people laugh. Because I'd rather laugh at myself before 
anyone else could laugh at me. Okay, so fair enough. So that's kind of the way that that happens. So your story about getting started in comedy, though, you mentioned that you had you knew people from. Can, yeah. we, go, can we go back a little bit? Sure. Um, um, and talk about what is this place and right, this thing so, that we're doing right um, now. I joined the, when it was Pyrocat. I joined in two thousand eight, and I was on a show with Diamond Dave Whitaker, who did Common Thread. And I'd read short stories. And then after a couple of months, it was so disorganized. And I was like, hey, man, you know, I could stage manage your show for you. And he's like, oh, that'll be great. Oh, I think that'll be, that'll be incredible. Because I'd run boards because I'd done theater for so long. And right. I'd stage manage so many shows, blah, blah, blah. So I started stage managing a show. And I was like, oh, my God, I love this. I love radio. I love microphones. And then I got my own show. And I was doing lots of things here and performing and a lot of poetry and spoken word, blah, blah, blah. And then in 2011, we had to kick out the guy who was running the place because he fled the country and he'd embezzled some money. Mm. And then the FCC had come down on us because we had an illegal terrestrial tower, so we were mm. broadcasting illegally. Mm -hmm. But we thought that under the FCC guidelines of 1942, that if you're at a time of war, you can have a shortwave tower. But I mean, like America's always at war, so but we're we good. Were, we're in operations and skirmishes. So once he said mission uh, accomplished, the Anthony Bourdain thing happened, and he came here, and then like we got a lot of press. And then the FCC came after us and tried to fine us $10,000. So what happened yeah. was we changed to Mutiny Radio because we're like, I don't know what Pirate Cat was. There's no fine. Yeah, we're none of us are them. Who yeah. they? Yeah. <laughs> so in 2011, Pirate Cat became Mutiny. Okay. And it was run by like a board of people. Okay. And then in 2013, they were all like, fuck this shit. We're out. Oh. And I said, no, no, no. This is, I've started comedy now. Without this place, doing my open mics, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. I need this place. Yeah. And they're like, well, good luck. So I wrote... I wrote a business plan and okay. I brought it to the group and I was like, I'll take it over. And they hmm. were like, okay. Hmm. So in 2013. You by yourself? By myself, yeah. Okay. So there were five people running it. And then in 2013, I was like, I'll just run it. And now it's 2021 and it still exists. Awesome. So that's that. Can we talk quickly about the Berdeen thing? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I just watched uh, the documentary that's coming out oh. next month, Roadrunner. Um so for me, this is timely. Um, and I actually forgot until you just mentioned it, that he came to the cafe, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he, he had a bacon maple latte. And he, you know, talked into, not that particular microphone. We have new microphones now. But he sat in a chair like that right mm -hmm, there and mm -hmm. um, was interviewed. And then it was on the TV and it was crazy. And Was um, it cool? Were you here for that? No, I wasn't invited. Oh, okay. I wasn't part of the cool group. But, oh, um, got it. Okay, okay, okay. I was here when jo um, George, um, not... Um, the punk parliament, P-Funk, George, oh, George Clinton was here. I Came was here on. for that. I awesome. gave him some pop brownies. He ate. Fuck yes. And that was awesome. I was like, I gave him pop brownies. And the, one of the people was like, are you sure he's performing tonight? And I was like, "This George Clinton That's, smokes crack. Like, yeah. these two pop brownies are going to do nothing to this man. <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, so Anthony Bourdain was here and... I mean, it's exciting. There's a lot of people have been through this building. I got to interview um, Paul Mooney once on the phone. Nice. So that was exciting. And yeah, I mean, everybody. Wow. And Anthony Bourdain, RIP, super like sad. Yes. <sighs> the documentary is um, is really good. Uh, watch it. I watch it. It's a lot, you know, it's like biographical. So it wasn't rough for an hour and 20 minutes and then it goes into the last two years of his life and oh. it gets it's waterworks oh yeah i'll watch it i love um, that guy i love all his books he was an incredible writer totally but the, the good thing about the documentary i don't want to take us too far down that road but is that it has the people from his life are in it wow so right wife um, daughter so, so you the get the, the, oh. not that she's in it but not like uh 
in the like it's footage sure she's not interviewed but Octavia and all that stuff um way off on a no, tangent no, now <laughs> so yeah so now like I, we made it through the pandemic i was doing outdoor shows and we still are i love parklets i've yeah. got a bunch of weekly shows and um i've had five comedy festivals here the last one was in 2020 right before the pandemic like a week before the shutdown awesome. and so i'm gonna, i'm excited i can bring it back in october mm-hmm. uh, the 10th through the 16th but this time i'm gonna do it at all the new venues i have because i gained so many outdoor venues through the pandemic and I'm really excited. Do you want to tell folks where those are? Yeah. Uh, every Wednesday at 7.30, we do a show with Asiento, which is a half a block from here. Mm-hmm. And Debbie of Asiento is amazing, another small business owner that made it through COVID. Awesome. And then Saturdays at 2 o'clock at Atlas, which is a block from mm-hmm. us in the other direction. Mm-hmm. And same thing. Um, they made it through. Yes. And it's incredible. So and happy. They have amazing sandwiches. And then the bar at Dolores, which is on 29th and Dolores. I do shows with them on Thursdays and the last Sunday of the month. Awesome. And, um, yeah, and I'm going to be, I'm going to hopefully be working with El Rio. And then I just talked to the owner of OMG cause he just opened Rakesh and he was like, I want to be in the festival. And I'm like, yes, 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 yes. of course. Oh my God, that'll be so great. Awesome. So they're, they're back open, which is exciting. And the festival you said is in October? It's going to be October 10th through 16th, I believe this year. Okay. Yeah. I I'm might just be getting married now. that week, but Ooh, I'll do my best. Thank you. I'll do my best to come to yeah, see you. I got, I got my first STD from my first marriage. Okay. Yeah, sexually transmitted debt. That's what you get. That's what you get when you get married. Good luck. It's fun. Or maybe the kids these days are progressive. They call them STIs. Oh. So maybe it's more sexually transmitted income. Income. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so, yeah. So good this luck. will be my third and my and my fiance's first. So she's like, third time's a charm. Yeah. I hope. I hope. Congratulations. Um, thank you. We have like three minutes and then I have to start another show. Okay, well then perfect. Joke workshops up there. So that's the other thing we do at the station is on Mondays at six o'clock, uh, there's joke workshop where I run it like a graduate school poetry thing except mm-hmm. that it's jokes so mm-hmm. comedians do four minutes and then they get four minutes of commentary from nice. their peers and then it's an open mic and mm. then we also do fridays at six o'clock and it's a contest where comedians do four minutes and i invite audience to be judges yes. and then they judge the comedians and their five favorites all get booked shows with like paid wow. food and drink and how money cool. and the whole deal so how cool so it's a winter here for the community I and it's super fun my fiance she she's between jobs and she wants to she's like always wanted to do comedy ah, I told her to come here this right here tell her to come to Mutiny Radio okay a couple of minutes so what I want to end on is what do you think of San Francisco I mean we're on literally the cusp tomorrow is tomorrow. when California opens yeah. what are your kind of hopes and visions for, for what San Francisco can be moving forward oh my gosh I hope that the San Francisco UBI that's funding a bunch of artists can continue and expand and be able to fund more artists so that we can value art as a a monetary resource instead of putting all of our money into tech and realize that art is important Mm -hmm. and that artists, that is a job Mm -hmm. and that our work does have value and as people we have value and to to give us the opportunity to create that's i'm sorry we have to create i'm sorry i can't be in insurance i have to create right but we should respect artists and and value their gifts monetarily and if i could see that going forward in san francisco i'd be so happy bands everybody i remember ah i love all the bands i love floating go i love all the metal bands oh i'm so excited we're gonna get like i get to see metal again yes like yes (laughs) yes so but all of the, the, the bands and the visual artists and the comedians and the, I mean, even karaoke goddesses, mm-hmm. just everyone to be able to express themselves again. I hope that that can come back. 
and um but i'm gonna yeah. interject real fast it's mm-hmm. for you it's not a hope because you're doing the work <laughs> you're yeah. helping bring it back if i Of swimming through a sea of podcasts. Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. Right now. So listen in to the weekly review every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. My name is Breakfast, and I'm running for Chancellor of the United States of America. Too wrong. We have gone without a Chancellor who is willing to take bold leaps of faith and logic to create new possibilities for our great, great, fat nation. As your Chancellor, I will balance the budget on the head of a pin, give entertaining speeches, have scandalous affairs, Write strongly worded letters to unpopular foreign leaders. Look good on camera. End our hunger, crime, abuse, war, disease, disasters, sadness, depression, oppression, repression, suppression, transgression, obsession, expression, compression, regression, and digression by signing pieces of paper that express my disapproval of such things. And invest in an American flag pin to be worn prominently on my stylish jackets. It's time to work together to take the country back from us and return it to ourselves. It's time to turn this country around and drive it into opposing traffic. It's time to take a chance on the Chancellor. insatiable appetite for all things in life, who scream at nothing and everything at the same time, who dance till sunup, who cause the sun to set again with irreverent bow, who rival the moon with gravitational force, who leave rooms feeling empty and earthquake struck, who don't give a fuck, who make, who do, who dream out loud and laugh like maniacs, who draw shock and awe on faces graced with watching, who create from the soul of an orgasm, who swagger even alone in the shower, who fight with passion and love with passion and our passion who catapult over cliffs in the name of revolution who would rather die than fall in line to conform who constantly challenge the norm who greet each and every day as if just born i say to you i know your greatness the way a suicide jumper knows weightless just before the impact and in fact i know it best when i say to you i love you hello there my friend
friends out at Mutiny Radio. Chester Cashcock here, giving you my love and regards as well as Mufi's over there. And you know, anytime I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Fantastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10. They have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission, where you can laugh off your tushy every Friday for a mere $10. And $10, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with, so to wipe it off, for, <laughs> it's in duty this. And if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, don't worry, don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen summer cottage on the mountain ridge for the kayaks. <laughs> Just go to podcast.pcrcollective.org or mutinyradio.fm podcast 